Welcome to the Beauty Podcast with Sally Hughes, the straight-talking, no-nonsense podcast written and presented by me, Sally Hughes, and brought to you by Avon. We're discussing a different beauty topic each week on all manner of issues, from the practical to the political, the deeply serious to the deliciously superficial, all with a host of industry experts at the very top of their game. In every show, there's a Q&A with them and me, and we always want to hear from you. Ask us any beauty-related question or tell us which topics you'd like to see covered. Tag me on social, I'm Sally Hughes everywhere, that's one L and an I, except on Facebook where I'm Sally Hughes Get The Look, and use the hashtag The Beauty Podcast with Sally. Today's guest is one of my favourite industry colleagues. Fumi Feto has over 15 years' experience as a beauty journalist. She's executive editor and beauty director at Glamour, contributing beauty editor, columnist and former beauty director at Vogue, former beauty director of Tatler and has written for The Guardian, The Sunday Times, Elle and Harper's Bazaar. She's also my sister columnist over on The Observer. Her new book is called Palette, the beauty bible for women of colour. As a comprehensive guide to beauty products recommended for women of colour specifically, it's both excellent and very much overdue. I'm delighted she's here to talk more about it. For me, welcome. Thank you. That was such a wonderful intro. Thank you so much, Sally. I'm so pleased you're here. So I was determined to get you on, but you've been in the kind of whirlwind of yes, book promotion, haven't you? I have you? indeed. It's been wonderful and um, exhausting in equal measure. But thank you so much for having me. And how has been the reception for the book? Are you getting the impression that people were desperately waiting for something similar? I mean, the word I can use, I guess, is hungry. People have been really hungry for it. And I... I don't think I could have anticipated the reaction I've had. Um, I mean, it's been incredible. The gap in the market you wanted to fill wasn't just for other people. You had Mm. experienced this yourself at the Mm. very beginning Mm. of your life as a young woman and as a beauty journalist. What was missing from the everyday beauty discourse? I think it was a case of not seeing myself represented in beauty pages specifically. Um, I mean, I always talk about the fact that I love magazines and I've loved magazines for a long time. And um, but I'd always skip the beauty pages, which is probably why my foray into the magazine world and into sort of journalism was um, via fashion. You talk about clothes being sort of democratic in that way. If you mm-hmm. wanted to wear it, you could wear it. Yes. But beauty was very different, mm-hmm. not just in terms of what you saw in magazine pages, but what did you see in the chemist and in stores when you went to attempt? Yes, this to is get this involved? is what I call my my biscuit experience, <laughs> <laughs> which is when I went into the chemist as a young girl. I think I was in my sort of early teens or maybe twelve, thirteen, something like that. Went into chemist with a bunch of friends who were all Caucasian and they were trying on lots of different items of beauty and they could find things that could work for them. And I found nothing. And I call it the biscuit experience because the last thing I tried was a foundation. And I remember trying that on my skin and it was just so chalky. And that was the darkest shade and it was called biscuit. It's really interesting what that sort of thing does to a young girl. You know, you always want to be part of the collective. You know, as you grow older, you become less concerned about that. But you do want to be part of the collective. You do want to be part of the conversation. And how I sort of describe that moment is that it's like 
going to a party and being turned away at the door and everyone else being let in. In both good and bad ways, Foundation has become the sort of icon of this conversation yes, that's I happened totally agree. In, in business. Yes. I feel as though um, every other week a Foundation comes out and people are going, look at our you know, yeah. 11 billion shares. But it's, not, <laughs> but it's more than that, isn't oh, it? Oh gosh, it's so much bigger than Foundation. And I keep saying that we have to go deeper. We have to go beyond the number of shades. It's, it's not about that anymore. You know, people come up to me and say, oh, yes, you know, because it's still really hard for, you know, black women to find foundations. And I'm just like, that's not the conversation anymore. It's beyond that. It's it's so many different things. Yes, it's the pigments and the textures and makeup and so on. But it's also about representation within advertising and marketing. And who's it's about making who's the making the products, who's making the decisions, you know, um, and just seeing more people of colour being represented in beauty just generally you know when I look at some brands I look at their social media and you know they might have one Asian girl or a black girl or maybe a mixed race girl someone who's like the palatable version of black and they'll have one there and then they'll just populate it with other blonde girls you know and then maybe they'll come to sort of three months down the line and then they'll just you know drop another one there and that's their way of saying we're inclusive yeah and it's just a little bit rubbish really isn't it what have you seen that's changed for the better what have you seen that you've found encouraging and we're still I think we'd all agree we are a million miles off Mm. where it needs to be but what do you think has really kind of spearheaded a a change Mm. in our industry that was desperately needed I mean for one I think people are listening and that is really um, so important and it's something that years ago I don't think I could have been having this conversation openly. You know, I, I say that, you know, these issues around race and representation um, and the issues within the beauty industry, you know, I could have them in sort of hushed tones, in sort of safe spaces with um, women like myself, but it's not something that you could talk about openly. You just didn't feel that the climate was there. You didn't feel that people wanted to listen. I think people would have sort of disagreed that there's an issue or they just don't want to address the issue. And I think right now people are um, listening. Also because I think they're listening because there are a lot of people who are actually really interested and realise that they have had the privilege of not having to deal with that issue and they want to be part of the solution. There's that. And then I think there's also, let's be honest, you know, there's the commercial reasons as well. People are understanding that, you know, people of other races also spend money on beauty, if not more so. Yes. And they want to tap into that. It's a fact that more so. Absolutely. That women of colour do spend uh, more money per Mm. capita Mm. on Mm. beauty products, hair, skin and makeup than than Caucasian women do. Hair is mm-hmm. such a key oh, issue yes. when when we're talking about diversity and inclusivity in our industry hair is a very very important issue mm-hmm. and i think black hair more than any other aspect of beauty mm. is is a part of beauty where the people who own that hair mm. Are experts. Yes. I think black women are forced to become experts mm. in hair. But I think also because black hair has always been quite political. It's that combination. It's the expertise mm. and the politics of it yes. that makes me feel like I shouldn't. Yeah, I, I shouldn't understand put that. myself there. I think because I think for a long time, you know, black women have been discriminated according to the texture of their hair, which is why it's been outlawed in certain states in, the, in America and so on, because that 
sort of thing was quite rife. And it happens here as well, you know, where people are, you know, made to sort of um, cut off their locks or, you know, have their hair in a certain way or being told that their natural hair is not um, professional looking and so on and so forth. So I think there's that. I think also, you know, historically as well, you know, with the whole situation with, you know, slavery and so on, you know, people who have had sort of straighter hair have always been more favoured than those who had more kinky hair and so on. So I think there's a lot of baggage that comes with black hair. And and I guess maybe that's part of the reason why it feels like it's almost a sort of sacred area of beauty that remains kind of untouchable from someone who hasn't lived that experience. So I can kind of get that. Yes, that's essentially how I feel. I I mean, for me, I think a lot of, you know, I don't feel excluded when I read your column, you know, and you will talk about a particular product and you will say, you know, I think if you have X, Y, Z skin or hair or whatever, this will be great for you. But if you're, you have this, then not so great. That's essentially what women want to see. You just want to be part of that conversation. To and have crossed someone's mind. Absolutely. Just together. to say, just for you know, a woman of colour to be able to read it and think, OK, I'm not invisible here. With your book, you've done the opposite of that. And, and that's why I love it so much. What you haven't Thank done you. is, is try to be all things to, to, to all people. Mm. This is very specifically yes. a beauty bible for women of colour. Mm. Although, you know, having said that, as a white woman, there are tons of products in this book that I really love. And for me and I have discussed many times, there are lots of products that we share a love for, even though I'm extremely white. (laughs) Um, Because they're just really, really great products. products. Exactly. But the book has, if you're not a white woman, if you are a woman of colour, this book has got you. Mm. It's got you covered for skin, hair, body, colour. Talk to me about the process of putting it together. So it was one of those things where, I mean, there were certain products that were automatically, I I thought, this is a great product, it's going to go in there. So there were quite a few of those. But I think when I was thinking about it, I thought, it's really interesting because there was on one hand, I thought, you know, are people expecting to open this book and see lots of products that are created specifically for dark skin. And and to be honest, I think there was a slight pressure initially that I thought, would I need to do that? And then actually I thought, no, I just want to have really great products in here. And to your point, yes, there are products that can be used by all women. But the point is, there are so many of those products and the marketing around those products that do not make a woman of colour feel yes. that they're made for her. Yeah. So I needed to sort of make that point. I needed to make that point also to the brands to, to show them that, look, you know, you can be um, marketed to all women. You don't have to have all white women on your, you know, Instagram sort of grid. You don't have to have all white women in your sort of marketing blurb. You know, like quite a few of my favorite sunscreens, for instance, you know, they, I've seen their marketing and advertising stuff and it has no woman of color on there. But yet they're probably one of the few sunscreens that work really well on darker skin tones because most of them we can't use. And a lot of people I find don't have the the benefit of say beauty pages and marketing and someone speaking to them and I wanted something that spoke specifically to them and specifically to the issues that you know women of color deal with a lot of women of color deal with hyperpigmentation for instance yes and I always get questions about that and what to use and what works and so on and so forth and I wanted to be able to show them that 
okay, these are some of the products that you probably haven't considered, but would be really great to deal with those issues and so on. So it was talking to them on that level, but also speaking to the brands. I really wanted to speak to the brands so that it was a sort of wake up call. What are the other issues that you were keen to explore in this book? Practical issues, I mean. Um, I think general sort of awareness about certain things. You know, a lot of women of colour um, have oilier skin tones. And um, but then they use end up using products that sort of strip the oil, which then is, you know, counterproductive. And then you're producing even more oil and so on. And it's just that constant cycle and understanding that you can have oily skin that also needs hydrating and, you know, all of these things. So really, I think for me, it was there was an education piece there that I wanted to make sure kind of ran through the book in terms of, you know, when I was talking about the products. So the oily skin issue is there. The hydration thing, I think a lot of Huge. women shy away from moisturizers. And I just say it it's finding the right moisturizers. I was one of those women who wouldn't, I just would not touch a moisturizer because I just thought it's just going to make me break out. It's going to make me more oily. Hair care. Oh gosh. I mean, where do we even... I mean, that could have been a book on it. Yes, definitely. I mean, where do we even begin? And I think hydration as well is a huge thing. The water in this country... (laughs) especially in London, is so hard. You know, when I I used to have um, quite a lot of family in Chicago, and when I'd go, my hair was always in better condition because the water was so lovely for my hair. We don't have that benefit here. The water is incredibly hard and it's really harsh on Afro hair. So it's dealing with some of those issues, you know, what are the treatments and what are the products that you can, you know, can use in order to combat that, you know, all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, those are some of the key sort of and issues. Shall we have some listener questions? Yes, because of there course. are lots. Okay. Let's see what we can answer between us. Mm-hmm. Many of them from women of colour, many of them not. Okay. Uh, let's see how we go. The Beauty Podcast with Sally Hughes is brought to you by Avon, where as well as buying from a rep, you can now shop Avon online for the same great beauty products. Try their best selling cream to powder foundation, now available in a new matte finish. Browse online through thousands of fantastic ranges from makeup to skincare, perfume to body care, simply by visiting the online store. So to discover your new favourite beauty product, shop with your rep or just search for Avon online. Now back to Sally, answering your questions in the clinic. Katia would like to know what one makeup technique would you say is really worth mastering? I always laugh at the fact that, yes, I write about beauty, but I always say that, you know, I write about beauty, but I'm not a makeup artist. But one technique that I think really works for me, and I tell a lot of people this, is foundations mixed with a little bit of highlighter. I find that it just gives really, really good skin. Yeah. And I, and you know, and that's a really easy one. You don't need to be you know, a sort of makeup maestro to be able to master that. Yes, I I so agree with that one. Mm. I often find if I take a stick foundation, a stick highlighter, Mm. and rub the brush back and forth Mm. along the two Mm. to mix them up, or a few drops of liquid illuminator in your liquid foundation. Yes, absolutely. Just gives a lovely gleam. Yes, definitely. Anne O would like to know, I have naturally dark lips and struggle to find a nude, in inverted commas, lip that complements both my natural lip colour and skin tone. What should I be looking for when buying nude lipstick? Bearing in mind, in most cases, we can only swatch on the back of our hands and the back of my hand and 
my lips are two different colours, which is obviously mm, normal. Yes, yes, of course. I mean, I have this issue as well because I have quite dark lips. That's another thing as well. You know, they all these little sort of these nuances um, in terms of how women are different and how you have to create makeup for them differently. A lot of black women have dark lips. And yet, you know, when you go and try and find a nude I mean it just doesn't really work on your lips even sometimes with other colours just don't work really well on your lips because the darkness of your lip then changes the final colour I mean there are not tons of you know nude lipsticks that I think are great but I do think there's some brands that do them quite well I do think that yes I think it's Bare Minerals actually they have a good set of nudes and I think it's thinking about what is my nude? Quite. What is this, you know, something that's as close to your lip colour as possible, but maybe with a hint of pink or something or a hint of brown, What depending on which sort of direction you go. But I do find that Bare Minerals um, have some good nudes. I'm sure it's Bare Minerals. I, um, I, I, I quite agree. Mm. Um, by the time this is broadcast, you'll mm. be able to go back into the Guardian archive because I've just done a column on this, which la- which will have launched by oh, the time brilliant. this comes out about regardless of your skin colour, mm. how to find your nude. Mm. And my advice would be to not be confined to the word nude Absolutely. because one person's yeah. nude is another person's totally. bold pop of colour. Forget about mm. the name and forget mm. about whether it's called a nude. Mm. Look at the colour yes, and it yes. wants to be as you say, roughly the same as your own mm. lip, but mm. with but a little darker or a little brighter yes, or a little yes, pinker, exactly. or a little browner. Yes. Um, but the word nude is so political, oh, I gosh, think. Oh, gosh, I can't stand that word. <laughs> Sean wants to know, any tips on using bright colours on the eyes like the cool kids are doing these days? I must be doing it wrong because I look like a kids' TV presenter. Oh, I don't know. Isn't it all about how you wear it? I mean, I'm I'm never been a huge fan of eyeshadows although I always love yours yes I am but I always love your eyeshadows and I think oh I wish I'd love to wear that like that but it's just not me I just don't really do eyeshadow very often but I do think that you have to work with any sort of trend in the wave that's comfortable for you so for instance if you want to wear really bright colors on the eyes then maybe start with a bright eyeliner I was Don't you going think? to say exactly the same thing. I just think a very bright eyeliner mm. and nothing else. Yeah, and a I soft mean, it's so major. So exactly. Cool. It's fantastic. It's so, so cool. So I think that's the way to, rather than trying to um, just mimic what other people are doing, because I do think there's a lot of looks on the catwalk, and yes, they look incredible and so on, but they don't always translate well. That's the reality of it. So I think an eyeliner, coloured eyeliners, I think are. Uh, fantastic. I so agree with that. Sean doesn't describe um, her skin colour, but mm. what I would say, this doesn't work very well on white skin, but what I would say on brown and black skin, a bright yellow liquid eyeliner looks so beautiful mm. and so pretty. That's a new one for me. Stunning. Nice. And um, on any skin tone, mm. a turquoise. Oh, yes. An yes. aqua yes. or a turquoise yes. yeah. or an electric blue. Electric blue, incredible. Electric blue, yes. flat. I think electric blue is the only colour of fabric, makeup, anything that mm. looks makes every single skin tone in the world look great. I think so too. Brightening yeah, and vibrant. Beautiful. Yeah, so, so nice. sort of a colour. Um, anonymous question here. Mm. Best products for a colour payoff on black skin? Some eyeshadows, blushes, etc. just look dull on me. That's a common complaint, right? Mm, yes. She wants to know the best products. The payoffs, yes. Who Who's really good at pigment? Oh, gosh. I mean, MAC. 
definitely. I mean, I think they really own that. The pigments are incredible. I mean, I have, you know, certain products that I just think, okay, they'll be around till Jesus comes back. You know, it's one of those ones that they just go on and on and on because you don't need very much of them. Um, I think NARS also, I think their blushes are great. Um, I have an old um, Exhibit A, which has fallen apart Classic now. Classic colour. But it's great, you know, and you don't need very much of it. So I think those are good. I think NYX is quite good. NYX is very good mm, for pigment. Mm, You're absolutely mm. right. Another anonymous question. I love this one, though. I want to know what still excites for me in the beauty space. There are so many brands, so many promises, so much stuff. Mm. What keeps you in love with beauty? So what's kind of turning you on as a journalist, It be it a brand, a product, a movement? Skincare. I think skincare, just in the sense that I think it also stems from the fact that, you know, when I was younger, I, I really struggled with my skin. And I think all of the changes in skincare and you know, different ingredients and so on and what that can do to your skin. I think that excites me because I understand how a woman who's dealing with skin issues, when she can overcome those issues, what that means to her. It's transformative. Emotionally. Absolutely, everything. So I think maybe that's why that um, still excites me. Um, But yeah, I I would say skincare. It's still the most gratifying thing you can do mm. for a reader mm. or a listener, mm. I think, is when somebody comes to you and says, you've transformed yes, my skin. Yes, no, completely. It's incredibly completely. moving. Teju would like to know, what should I be looking for when buying exfoliating skin products? I'm trying to fade post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, mm. and I've used trendy cult products like P50, Pixi Glow Tonic, Peter Thomas Roth Glycolic Toner. She lists lots of them. Mm. And I just don't feel they worked. Am I expecting too much from a toner? Gosh, I think if you have those issues, I don't know whether I would consider a toner. What do you think, Sally? I mean, I... I think daily exfoliation... I really do. ...is important, but then possibly a weekly more substantial exfoliation. I, w- I would say go and see someone and start having sort of regular, really good treatments, you know, really good facials, and then overhaul your skincare um, regime as well. Because that's the thing, you know, we can say you can use a daily exfoliator, but then what else is in your skincare regime? What else are you what else are you using? Yeah, I mean, I would rec- recommend a daily exfoliator mm. for everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I definitely, definitely wouldn't ever say that that's enough to shift hyperpigmentation alone you're going to need something much more targeted Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i would suggest a a good concentration of vitamin Vitamin c C, definitely super super important Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um especially on women of color Mm -hmm. everyone needs vitamin Mm -hmm, c but mm -hmm. women of color are so much more prone to pigmentation Mm -hmm, issues mm -hmm. and vitamin c cannot cannot live without um, and then, yes, as you say, seeing somebody, it may be that a bit of laser or IPL yes, yeah. uh, would work wonders. Teju, if you are a woman of colour, and it sounds from your question that you are, Teju, yes. um, I would say it sounds as though you are. Please, 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 if you go and see someone, always ensure that your doctor, nurse or other practitioner is using a laser that, that is, is tested suitable. on women yes, of colour. Because I've met so many readers mm-hmm. over the years who've had appalling laser when they absolutely shouldn't have had mm-hmm, laser mm-hmm. on their brown or black skin because mm. it's the wrong laser. Absolutely. So you must, must, must check and Mm, double check mm. that this laser has been used many times Mm, on women of colour successfully mm. and asked to see pictures absolutely I couldn't agree more I mean, I've seen I've seen women of colour with third degree burns, literally. Mm, so you mm, must, mm. must, must see a specialist, somebody who works with women of colour all mm-hmm, the time, and mm-hmm. there are many of those practitioners. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Stephanie, recommendations of SPF for dark skin that doesn't leave your skin with a grey hue. (laughs) Well, the two I really love, I mean, there are quite a few in the book, but the two I really love personally are by Cooler. Cooler, so good. It's such a great brand. I love Cooler. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic brand. And also it won't clog your pores. And I think this is the thing that a lot of people are terrified of, that it's going to clog my pores and so on. But this one is, it's fantastic. But I would say that if you don't want a sort of dewy finish, because I find Cooler is quite dewy, um, I would say Invisible Shield, actually, by Glossier is a good one because they it's it's quite mattifying but it really is invisible it doesn't sort of show up but it's not a dewy finish um, so it depended on what sort of finish you like I would say one of those two um, Dr Zellens actually is also Zellens is good very very yes, good yes I one. use that every day I agree with all three of those recommendations wholeheartedly. Cool is a terrific mm. SPF brand. I would add um, SkinCeuticals. They do uh, one sunscreen that is invisible on very dark skin. I have tested it ad infinitum. It's brilliant, but not all of them. They do many, many SPFs. Yes, but, that's but, the thing. But yeah. they do one invisible mm. shield uh, with no tint in that's glorious on dark coloured skin. Jess, what's the best way to reapply SPF during the day if you're also wearing makeup on the top? It always confuses it's me. It's so hard. I think that's really I think that's really, really hard. And I think about that quite a lot actually. And sometimes you think why am I bothering? Because, you know, really, in an ideal world, we're supposed to be topping it up every two hours, aren't we? But Kate Somerville has that um, spray. SBS spray. So I think, and it sold out. Um, at one point, she just couldn't get hold of it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's back in stock now. So I, I would say something like a spray was quite good because it's an SBS spray, but it also works as a kind of setting spray as well. I agree. And also, just think about your lifestyle. How Mm. much are you outdoors, Mm. really? This Mm. is the thing. We are supposed to keep topping up sunscreen, but also use your common sense. If Mm. you're just nipping out for a sandwich at lunchtime Mm. and by the time you leave Mm. the office, it's dark. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's not the end of the world, you know. Don't give yourself a super, super hard time. Yeah. Bella would like to know how do I get a glow when I have oily skin? Oh. So, I think getting a glow when you have oily skin is is actually not too hard. I do think that using a a, a highlighter does help. You know, that whole thing that we talked about with, you know, foundations and highlighters. I think you can use, utilise those. But maybe use a a foundation that isn't super dewy. And then maybe start with a, a primer, but not one that makes you completely flat. Because that's what I find... Those very thick silicon primers make you flat. I do find that. So there's not very many of them that actually, that sort of still give you that glow whereby it gives you the glow, but it stops all the sort of oiliness from coming through. I mean, I quite like, I mean, to, to be fair, to be honest, I don't use a primer every single day because it's just, I just forget. And, um, but I have found, there was one from Marks and Spencer's that I found really, really good, actually. And then there was another one, the Hydro Grip from Milk that I actually quite like. Which is liked. silicon free, mm. which may be a value here. Yes, yeah. If you're so you still to have the hi- glow. Yes, you still have the hydration, but you don't have the oiliness coming through. And then I think if you do then want to glow, I do think the whole thing with the foundation and a little bit of liquid um, highlighter, I just think it's genius. Add a little magic. Yeah. Nikki says, why should we care if a brand isn't inclusive? Can't I just support those who are and leave the rest? Hmm. Okay, so I have this question quite a lot. And I do think that 
you know, a lot of times when they, people sort of angle this question, they talk about, you know, brands that are, you know, black owned or they're specifically for darker skins. And I do think that if we want to change the conversation and if we want to change the beauty industry, when some of the brands start to, you know, bring out a few products that are great for dark skin, but they haven't quite... Um, you know, they haven't quite worked on the rest of their sort of product offering. I do think it's important to support it. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, because if you don't support it, then they'll just stop making it. And then we carry on this conversation. If you don't make good decisions profitable, mm. then good decisions will stop being made. Absolutely. That's the thing, because I, I as I keep saying, you know, these organisations are not social enterprises, you know, they're businesses and they have to make money. So if you decide that, oh, you're just not going to support it because it's not a black owned brand or it's not specifically for black skin, then we will continue having these same conversations and brands will continue not to be inclusive. So I say to everyone, go out there and buy and spend so that, you know, so that the industry can see that there is money. An appetite. Yeah, there's an appetite for this, you know, for what they're doing and how they're trying to change, um, you know, change their product offering to be inclusive. But you have to spend the money for them to think it's worth it. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Um, Tani, I hope I'm I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Tani. Do you see the inclusivity bubble bursting anytime soon? It seems we have reached a peak now. A makeup brand came up with a foundation line with a hundred shades. I fear brands will start getting rid of shades that don't sell, so I need to start stockpiling. That's interesting because that's kind of feeding into what you're saying. See, I worry. I worry. I've said this to you before. I fret about the inclusivity bubble. Yes. I, I hate a trend mm. over something that's a basic right. Yes, like, yes, yeah. I don't want to have a black hair moment. Yeah, no, it's, completely. It's not a moment. Yes. It grows out of people's heads Absolutely. every day for the rest you of know, their lives. I, say, I was saying this to um, a few people the other day and I said that Yes, some people might see this as a moment, but you know, I'll always be black. Yeah, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm not a moment. I'll always be black. So, I do think that there has to be some balance, because also, you know, the hundred shades that what are we going to have next? One hundred and fifty shades, two hundred shades, and we know that if we're talking about foundations, there is no way that any one company can have shades that will suit absolutely everybody. I think it's impossible, which is why you have, maybe there'll be a lot more sort of custom made foundations and so on. But we're so blended as a people, you know, whether in the UK or even globally, that it's impossible to have shades that are enough. And it's also not about quantity. It's are they the right shades? Exactly. That's my thing as well. Are they the right shades? Are they even good formulations? You know, so there's all of that. So just because they have a hundred shades, you know, they expect this pass on the back. But yet, like you say, you know, are if they? They're actually... all ashy in undertone, Absolutely. or if they've got a sort of chalky pigment exactly. to them, or not. Exactly. Who cares, yeah. really? Because a lot of them, it's just an Instagram moment. Yes, yeah, and that will pass. So I do think that there will be certain things. I'm hoping that there'll be certain things that sort of just pass away because they're just, um, they are just moments, and they're you know, they don't have any real worth, i.e. the the foundations that, yes, there's numerous, you know, shades, but they're not actually good shades or the right shades. I'm hoping that will pass away. And then what we'll be left with are the brands who are actually doing it authentically and doing it properly. Yeah, there are brands with 36 shades and I can colour match literally anybody Mm, to their range. mm, And then mm. there are brands with 70 shades that I can't. Exactly. Exactly. And and it's just about what those shades actually Mm. are. 
Terry, hair question. Mm. I recently went natural and really? I don't like to braid my hair because mm. I develop traction alopecia okay. around the edges. Do you have any tips for surviving British winters with Afro hair without hiding my hair under wigs and braids? Oh, gosh, that's a really, really tough one. I think it's constant hydration. I really do. I think you'll need to have a treatment. If you don't want to braid and you don't want to have wigs and I suppose I say all of that and it's it's tough but I never wear wigs or you know and I, I rarely braid nowadays but I think it's constant hydration I keep my hair incredibly hydrated and I tell you what I love at the moment um, Tracy Ellis's Ross her her brand is fantastic the leave-in conditioner is so so brilliant so I think if you can get hold of that it's great but I think it's it's constant hydration that really really helps that makes a huge huge difference I'm going to try and squeeze in two really quick ones mm. before we wrap up. Carrie would like to know, do you have any tips for any mixed race beauties in terms of dealing with our skin tone changing rapidly over the seasons? Mm. I'm, You know, I don't think that that's so different to even darker skin tones. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. find that from summer to winter, I, you know, my skin starts telling me other things and, <laughs> and I have to really look at my... Um, my skincare regime. And I, I would say that a lot of people stick to the same skincare regime regardless of seasons. And and maybe it's just a personal thing, but I, I, I feel that you should adjust just as you adjust what you wear based on whether it's really hot or cold or in between. I think you adjust what you, you want put a on lighter your skin. coverage, Absolutely. a sheerer finish. Sheerer finish. You want, you know, you need to think about your, um, think about your cleansers for instance you know are you wearing more makeup or less makeup you know is your cleanser that you would normally use maybe in the summer where you don't wear that much makeup is it suitable for you in winter where you need to get a lot more makeup off or you're covering your skin much more you know all of those sort of things so I think it's really looking at what your process is in terms of, you know, your skincare, but also in terms of your your makeup as well. You always need two foundations. I always say that, at least. And I think it's fine to sort of mix them and, and so on. But I, I find that... I always have to change my foundations regularly depending on what what my skin's doing. And very finally, I think we can answer this so swiftly, but Mm -hmm. it needs answering because we keep getting asked it. Teresa wants to know, is it a good idea to put my entire makeup bag and skincare in the fridge to keep it fresher? Oh! (laughs) Teresa, may I just say, regardless of what people tell you on social media, life is finite. Yeah. Uh, We don't have enough time to refrigerate all our products and it is simply not necessary. Yeah, I mean, it's a nicety but you know I mean goodness me it, it things won't fall apart if you don't do that I would say though do keep them out of sunlight because your products will last longer and a steamy environment don't keep yes. them in a, in a steamy, in a steamy bathroom, shower for example. or something yes but you know in terms of keeping them fresh you should be using your skincare every day anyway mm. and if you're using it every day you won't have it long enough for it, exactly, to, for to, it to, to spoil from yeah, heat unless exactly. you're talking about really extreme heat um, thank you so much for me, Feta. I'm so glad we managed to get you in before the thank end of the you. series. Just a couple of episodes left. Uh, don't forget to subscribe where you can access the entire back catalogue of episodes. And you can keep tagging me on social media if you have questions or suggestions for topics for future shows and a future series. Just tag me on social media. It's Sally Hughes, one L and an I, because I'm Welsh. It's not a media affectation. Um, or on Facebook where I'm Sally Hughes. Get the look and use the hashtag The Beauty Podcast with Sally. Thank you so much much for listening. Take care. Bye-bye.